Fixed income has always been an allocation to diversify your portfolio and a way of providing a steady income. Advisors are searching for income in a low yield world and are also looking to contribute with a positive impact with their investments. A popular alternative is green bonds, which were created to fund projects that provide environmental benefits. Green bonds have a direct and measurable impact on the environment because their proceeds are separated from general corporate purposes and used exclusively for projects that have a positive impact on the environment. We are very happy today to, to be joined by three portfolio managers, Paul Skinner from Wellington, David Katimbo Mugwania from Eden Tree, and Simon Bond from, from Columbia Three Needle. Hello, hello all. Um, we, we, we are hoping that, that you will uh, bring some insight uh, today into investing in, 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 in green bonds. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much for, for joining us. I think a, a good way to start uh, would be um, uh, going with uh, some uh, broader questions, general, general questions before we go into more, in, into more detail. So I, I would start asking uh, you, uh, David, what are the benefits uh, to investing in green bonds and how do they fit in, in your portfolio? Yeah, um, I suppose from our end, um, what we like the most about green bonds is the use of proceeds format. And by green bonds here, we're principally talking about use of proceeds bonds rather than the revenue bonds or the project-based bonds, basically. So a clear um, you know, environmental benefit has to be set from the outset. Um, you know, these projects are audited, they're then reported upon um, annually. And so we quite like the fact that we can follow our money, so to speak, and that that money will have an environmental um, benefit. And it's, it's one of the markets, I suppose, we've been watching for some time as responsible investors, um, looking for ways to um, contribute to sustainability themes that we have in our responsible framework. And so this universe growing is certainly a benefit for us and enables our clients to be able to fund um, those sorts of um, projects with clear um, environmental benefits. Thank you, David. And what about you, Paul? You know, the green bond market is incredibly exciting. Um, this is a market that's growing dramatically. Uh, last year, there was about $500 billion issued. This year, it looks like we're going to issue probably 800 to a trillion. So almost doubling in size over a year um, provides opportunity. And, you know, that's really, really exciting. Uh, however, it does have its, um, its drawbacks in that we have a market that's growing rapidly with very little regulation on taxonomy and uh, you know what how you can call something a green bond or um now this is coming and we'll probably talk about that a little later but in all honesty you have to be really careful uh looking at these uh issues so an exciting market a growing market but one where you have to have some really good research to decide which ones you want to invest in and which you don't okay th thank you thank you Paul. Well, Simon, you have been doing this for, for a long time. What is your, your view on this asset class? The fund was launched before the Green Bond Principles. So December 13, the fund was launched. The Green Bond Principles came in 2014 and the Social Bond Principles following the guidelines in 2017. So uh, the fund has been going quite a long time. And what we are looking to do with Green Bonds is there, there is this conceptual separation between environmental and social. Actually, there isn't really that separation. If we get the environment wrong, it's going to cause tremendous social problems. Mm. So you shouldn't really separate them in that way. What we're looking to do with green bonds 
is the ability to follow the money through to the use of proceeds to predefined projects that are funding, in this case, environmental um, infrastructure and other, um, and other projects. Um, the only real difference actually between the green bonds and the social bonds which followed is those predefined projects are more tailored towards social, in the case of social bonds, environmental, in the case of green bonds, and the other one, sustainability bonds, mm -hmm. is just both. So it's the two together. So we, we have three stages. Yeah. First and foremost is the financials, is still yes. the financials, because if you get that wrong, in extremists, if a company goes bust, it's neither going to deliver the financial return that you want, nor no. is it going to deliver the impact. Yeah. So that's the first stage. Once we pass that, we look at the ESG, particular internal practices, but with a particular focus on controversies and on engagement and making sure that they've reacted in the right mm -hmm. way where there is a controversy. And only then, after those first two stages, do we then move on to impact. So I'll, just, I'll just bring in a definitional thing, which I think is actually quite important, because we talk about ESG being doing the thing right. That's how management can have control of what they're doing within their own four walls, their employment characteristics, their environmental policies, their governance issues, the things within their control. But doing the right thing is, is impact. Ah, that is a nice way to put it, Simon. Well, uh, looking at specific sectors, is there any preferred area or sector within green bonds that you typically favor, David? Um, I'd say it's a fairly broader universe right now. If you sort of um, look at where it started, it was mostly supranationals. And so if you're investing in um, green bonds back in 08 or 09 time, you'd have had much more EIB, KFW type names in your portfolio. I suppose now um, utilities are a more natural place given the push towards renewables. They're the ones sort of um, engaging in these projects the most. But we've seen other sectors come up. Um, there's been examples this year, for instance, in Berkeley Group, which we bought in our sterling bond fund, um, that is a house builder. And so it's using its proceeds basically to build on uh, brownfield land and also to enhance its biodiversity um, profile as well. But within that context, um, there are um, various sectors. I'd suppose we have to always look at where we're seeing the most um, value. And so within a very low yielding setup, as it has applies that more of the more recent attractive ones have been probably in the financial space. And so in the senior financials where they're funding um, projects that are green, but um, that yield pickup from a financial is looking much better than what you're getting from utilities, for instance, um, which are high quality, quite defensive plays. Okay, thanks, David. But um, what about the analysis that that, for example, you, Paul, do before investing in, in green bonds? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's really about starting at the origination phase, you know, talking to the uh, originators who are bringing the deal to market. And, you know, as a large firm, we have the privilege of being able to, to talk to um, the originators of bonds and, and find out exactly what the criteria are for that green bond being issued. Where is it going to be used? How is it going to be used? Uh, and very importantly, how are we going to feel comfortable that that capital is reaching the target and being used at that particular point? So, you know, quite interesting. We had a big discussion with the Italian uh, debt management uh, organization when they wanted to bring the first Italian green bond. Um, and, uh, you know, we went to and fro. But the, uh, the answer was that they appointed an independent 
uh, accountant who would then uh, reassure us where that capital was being spent in uh, a very positive green initiative in uh, in Italy. And so, yeah, accountability, understanding where that we can track where that capital goes, really important for deciding whether we want to buy uh, a particular green bond issue. Is, and do you think there, is a, there are some sectors where there are more risks of uh, having those greenwashing uh, with the, the issuance of, of not so, so green bonds, or it is in general, depending on the company or, or even the, the, yeah, I mean, the sovereign? Uh, that, um, green bonds uh, are more effective for us in the sovereign space. We don't buy brown sovereign bonds you know because they there's there's too much going on in an economy that uh, doesn't suit us as an impact investor but when a sovereign brings a, a green bond we can focus in and see what that is in. now we've had um mixed mixed results uh, from south american uh, sovereigns you know some of them are willing to um uh, to put some regulation in others aren't so you know we we have a mixed results uh, in south america but generally uh, the european ones have have been um, you know really very uh, efficient at, at producing the data we want um in utilities we don't tend to to buy um green bonds the problem with a lot of these utilities is they do have um you know their main business obviously has a lot of legacy um, uh, you know, fossil fuels and, and uh, uh, carbon dioxide emissions that prevent us at the first stage actually, um, you know, wanting to buy that issuer. So we have some very strict rules about the issuer level, you know, how is that company behaving before we can actually start looking at the, at the green bond and, and what they're doing. Um, but obviously, in, in areas like social um, uh, bonds, um, you know, it's very useful to be able to get access to some of these uh, social bonds that have, um, you know, a meaningful um, thematic impact that we can invest in. Okay, now it's a good time to to go to to see how we differentiate between what is a good green bond and not such a good green green bond. So how do you monitor the appropriate use of proceeds and how can you avoid greenwashing? This one can be for you, Simon. Sustainable disclosure requirements um, will be updated and strengthened so that the, um, so that the, the UK themselves um, will actually be ensuring that the um, claims made by not only the issuers, but also the fund managers like myself who are running these kinds of funds um, are substanti substantiated and that we have evidence behind the claims that we make. Uh, and I'm very, very keen on that um, yeah. direction because this will be a way of um, ensuring that we don't have greenwashing. But actually, this concept of greenwashing, I think, is actually a good thing to focus on because what it does when people ask you about greenwashing and journalists do it as well, it shines a light on perhaps the dark recesses of, this, of these particular claims. And the fact that we're asking these questions is actually a good thing in itself because you need to justify yourself to your investors. Um, the fact that everybody mentions greenwashing, actually it has some benefits in, in, in and of itself. And that is a benefit for you and, and your team because you have been doing this work for, for, a, long, for a long time. Those of us that you feel we've been doing it properly, properly. Yeah, exactly. we want to be seeing that kind of emphasis, that kind of rigor. And again, shining the light on those dark yes. recesses, etc. Not just with not just with green, but also with social. Well, knowing that that there is a lot of work in, involved. 
I think it could uh, be good uh, that uh, you, Paul, for example, uh, could tell us um, about a, a green bond that uh, wasn't good enough for you, and then you you avoided and you decided not not to to invest. Could could you give us an example? Yeah, I mean, there, there's lots that we we've avoided, but um, yeah. you know, I can give you an example that um, is very topical. Um, one of the very large retailers in the U.S. Um, came with. Uh, what was going to be the biggest green bond uh, in the market. And um, I think there was a lot of excitement uh, in the market regarding that. And, um, you know, its size made uh, a lot of people very interested. Um, but for us, it didn't have some of the criteria we required. The look back period, i.e., you know, it was financing some older initiatives that were older than the two years that uh, we limited to. Um, so we weren't comfortable with, with the look back period. Um, and unfortunately it didn't have a lot of um, specification about where the proceeds were going to be um, used. And so we didn't feel comfortable that all the assets were gonna be allocated um, to green initiatives. And as a result, we didn't participate. So, you know, it, it, these decisions um, can be quite uh, nuanced. But, um, you know, when you have uh, a guidelines or rules to adhere to, um, it, it actually makes the decision a little easier. Now, we, we have seen a um, broad overview of the different sectors within, within green bonds. But also, recently, we, we have seen the, the growth of other other um, labeled, uh, labeled bonds or use of proceeds bonds, for example, social bonds, sustainability bonds, and sustainability linked bonds. Simon, you have been uh, very active on, on these other bonds, especially social bonds, of, of course. Can you explain the difference between them and the, the, different, the different nuances and what, what they can add? That was the new kid on the block last year. So the sustainability linked bond principles were launched last year and actually we shouldn't forget transition bonds mm -hmm. where there is a, um, a separate um, book that was published or again by ICMA but sustainability linked bonds think of them as KPI linked bonds because otherwise it becomes quite confusing because we have green bonds social bonds and sustainability bonds sustainability linked bonds are different very different actually they're general corporate purpose bonds in the main but what they're linked to is key KPIs, mm -hmm. performance yeah. indicators. And they, in most cases, will affect probably the final coupon, but actually the finance, financial side of it, there is a link there. So if they achieve the targets, fine. If they don't achieve the targets, then there's potentially an uplift in that last coupon, perhaps, mm -hmm. that the bond that bondholders have. And they should be used, in my mind, much more in industries and sectors that need to transition okay. to a lower carbon economy. So when I mentioned transition bonds, yes. that's the equivalent where there is a specific use of proceeds. It's not general corporate purposes, it's a specific use of proceeds, such as Cadent that issued a transition bond um, to retrofit their gas pipelines in order to be able to take much more carbon efficient gases like hydrogen and the developments that are working there. So this is, if you like, future-proofing and developing the infrastructure to be able to use these future technologies. The only difference between a transition bond containing gas and a green bond containing water is literally what flows through the pipeline because it doesn't conform to the green bond principles if it's gas and it does if it's water. Everything else about that transition bond 
conforms entirely to the green bond principles. Okay. Thanks, Simon. That gives us uh, more more clarity about about all these uh, these new bonds that are, are launched in, in in the market. But we, we could go again into into more uh, more details uh, with you, David. For example, how do you monitor the projects on an ongoing basis? Yeah, on an ongoing basis, I suppose for use of proceeds bonds, there are uh, very clear um, guidelines um, set by ICMA that the bond has to report annually on the use of proceeds. And so there will be an annual report that the company is obliged to issue and publish um, that states, first of all, the allocation, i.e. how much of those proceeds have been put to work where they've been put to work as well and what KPIs basically the company has um, achieved. And so within our sort of holdings, we're very keen on looking at these annual reports, we're very keen on monitoring the progress towards those targets as well. But it's, it's also worth stressing here that um, when we look at green bonds, we are focused on the issuer rather than the use of proceeds by itself. So in and of itself, the use of proceeds is good. It generates environmental benefit, but we still want the issuer to be responsible. And that is to say that it passes our screens and these are various uh, metrics which are values-based and also focused on things such as corporate governance, business ethics. And so it's quite important that the issuer, the underlying issuer of that green bond still passes those screens, even though um, worthy things with the use of, of proceeds that, that it has. And so maybe just to summarize, I'd say it's, it's a combination of, of those things that, that makes that, that bond attractive. But um, we do follow um, the reports as they come through and engage with the issuers for that matter, um, where we feel um, there's not enough progress that's being made or indeed direction of travel is um, not as we wish it to be from other um, metrics. Thank you, David. Another part or another component that we haven't uh, discussed is the, the valuation and the value that the, these issues offer. What is your view on this, Paul? Oh, no, no. I mean, the, the, what they uh, offer for us is an exciting area where we can help finance things. So I'll give you an example of a really good sustainable sustainability linked bond. Um, that was issued by the electricity distribution network in Costa Rica. Now, Costa Rica has 99.9% of its energy generated renewably. That's wonderful. But they want to go a step further. They want to actually make the whole system efficient. And so they want to install smart meters in people's homes and issued a, a sustainability linked bond um, with a key KPI on how many of smart meters they install. That's the sort of thing that we want to finance. Um, and, uh, and so you're right. You know, sometimes that this does create a bit of a premium um, in the market. But if it's a really good quality bond that's doing what we want, we're happy to pay that premium because, you know, we are of the view that capital is going to continue to flow uh, in this direction. I'm thinking now that we could touch a specific uh, examples and, and, and issues that are in, in your portfolios. And David, uh, could you tell us about some projects that you are exposed uh, via green bonds in, in, in your portfolio? Um, I'd say recently, but even going back to about four years ago, we've um, helped finance a Thames Tideway project which is basically the super sewer um, beneath the Thames. And that will leave us with a much 
cleaner river um, for sure and bring back um, the river itself to standards that are, you know, water quality standards that are acceptable um, compared to other rivers, especially um, in Europe. That was a green bond. Um, we've also participated in the SSC um, bond. This is under their Scottish hydroelectric um, subsidiary whereby they are strengthening their transmission infrastructure and this is connecting um, renewable energy to the grid in the UK but also furthering um, their um, transmission rather their transition targets um, towards a low carbon future via um, EV charging points for instance and the corresponding um, infrastructure. Um, we've also recently bought Berkeley Group, um, as I mentioned um, earlier, um, it's building energy efficient homes and um, it's also helping further um, biodiversity um, by reducing biodiversity loss um, in the UK. It's already um, got science-based targets to it and has had a climate change policy since 2007. And um, we keep on looking out for these sorts of bonds and indeed um, projects to help us um, fund uh, more impact in our responsible funds. On, on to you, Simon. Can you mention any project that you are financing with the green bonds in, in your portfolio at the moment? Yeah, um, I'll use an example because I've just been on a bus to get to this office. Okay. Um, I'll use an example of a green bond that we've got in the portfolio, which is a green bond from Transport for London, which is obviously the not-for-profit um, transport um, authority within the, uh, within the capital city here. Um, but the use of proceeds of that particular bond was for to, to build the cycle superhighway, to upgrade the tube network and particularly the, um, the stations um, themselves uh, and to buy more of the Routemaster buses. I came on a Routemaster bus um, to the office here. Um, but actually, one of the things you can say about Transport for London is they are regulated to be green. They are regulated um, by, the, um, by the Transport Authority to be green. So the additional benefits of that particular green bond may not be as great as the social benefits because they're regulated to be green. So the additionality is not that, that great. What is good is additional transport infrastructure in what used to be before lockdown and, and is increasingly now coming back, a populated, polluted, crowded mm. capital city. Mm. You need that transport infrastructure. You need that investment. And that's the additionality. That's the additional benefit. It's absolutely crucial to be able to provide a cohesive, joined up transport system to get those workers to where they need to be. Thank you so much. I think it has been a, a very interesting session hearing your, your views and, and your experiences about green bond in investing with, with examples and to understand the differences between green bonds and social bonds and sustainability bonds. We have touched on greenwashing as well. And they are terms that are, we, are, we are hearing more and more and more. So it has been great to, to have you all here today. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. This podcast is only aimed at professional advisors and regulated firms and should not be passed on to or relied upon by any other persons. It is not intended for retail investors who should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this podcast, remembering past performance is not an indication of future performance. It is published by and remains the copyright of Square Mile Investment Consulting and Research. 
Square Mile makes no warranties or representations regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. This podcast represents the views and forecasts of Square Mile at the date of issue and may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Nothing in this podcast shall be deemed to constitute a regulated activity or an invitation or inducement to engage in investment activity, and it's not a recommendation to buy or sell any funds or investments that are mentioned during this podcast. Thank you.